What up, what up, everybody? This is Double G for the Fight Game Podcast. As always, with John LaRocca. John, we missed last week, which means that we took a little bit of a hiatus from talking about the G1. And while we were gone, the G1, the finale happened. Kota Ibushi will face Kazuchika, uh, Kazuchika Okada at the Tokyo Dome, as long as things sort of stay on the route that they are. But also, we missed, uh, you know, we well, we'll talk about it this week, but there was SummerSlam, there was TakeOver, um, lots of stuff that happened over the weekend, and I got to see most of it while I was on vacation, but uh, you're going to have to carry me through TakeOver, because that's the one show where I tried to get going, and I just couldn't catch up until uh, until today, and then today came along, and, and I still haven't watched all of TakeOver, but uh, otherwise, how was your week off, and how you doing? I've been doing really good, and uh, the week off was, when it came to pro wrestling, very busy. Um, um, Just, you know, keeping up with the G1 and watching all the shows. That was, uh, you know, actually, it was a lot easier than last year, I feel like. I feel like I was able to kick, like, especially the weekends one. That's the toughest one for me because I also got the little kids and wake up early, but I'm able to, like, kind of kick them out in the morning while everyone's kind of still kind of waking <laughs> up and chilling and and breakfast being neat and i'm just like and you know i got like a flow going like i know mm-hmm. like two hours the g1 matches are going to start right yep and you just go right to it and uh it was it was fun the the g1 i was able to keep up with for the most part now i will admit there were some some of the b block shows where i kind of skipped through some stuff you know the when you when you watch it on your phone through the browser, they give you the, uh, I think it's the 15 second skip when you need it. Mm-hmm. So certain moments, you know, I'm kind of skipping to, to stuff, but otherwise I was able to watch uh, everything. And, you know, I guess the, the first question, because we've been doing this for three years where you, me and the Heartbreak Kid, we tried to keep up with Big Dave Meltzer and watch every G1 show pretty much the day that it happened now i you know sometimes you just get get behind and you got to watch a couple you know a couple in a row or whatever but overall you know i caught i i I was there and i was able to to complete the process for the third year in a row but it made me wonder if you what you thought about this one in comparison to the other three or to the other two that we've been doing over the last couple years Ah, that's, uh, well, this one had a little bit of a little more emotional attachment, you know, being that, you know, friend of mine, Jeff Cobb, is in the G1. So that was, you know, that made it special for me. Um, I would say, I would say, like, the you know, it's hard to compete with the first year we do this, right, of anything, right? It's like I remember because we were like chatting all the time. It, all, it was a big three-way chat that we'd have the heartbreak kid mm-hmm. and talk about the matches, and then he'd get behind, and we'd get frustrated. <laughs> <laughs> well, remember because he was trying to watch the entire show. He wasn't just watching the G one matches. Yeah, I know. He was like, "I'm still on the opener." Right? <laughs> F the opener, you know. Go to the G one matches. So then he started, then he finally, he, he, he took our advice and he, and you know, but that, that, that was a lot of fun. So I think that first, yeah, a couple years ago, and plus we did the, you know, the big watch, the big watch of the finals at big days, two years in a row. And this year we didn't do it. And, um, you know, it's just, you know, it's a lot going on. You're on vacation. It's on a Monday and I have a baby due in December. I'm trying to save up all my time. 
So I had to wait till, you know, that afternoon to watch it. And I remained uh, spoiler free, though. I eventually said, screw it. I'm, I know who wins, mm-hmm. you know, because, you know, I just figured Kodo's going to win from the get. And, and of course, sure enough, I was right. And did I pick the finals? Did you pick Jay White? I thought I did. I know uh, our buddy Jeremy from our Fight Game uh, Fight Game podcast Facebook group. He had Jay White going to the finals, and you know when Big Dave and I did the podcast before I left, it was so funny because you know he's trying to handicap the thing, and he's trying to like say, oh, you know these are the people who have a chance and not, and then he's trying to do math, and it's dark, and he's trying to read his like his handwriting and his printouts. Oh God! And he totally said that Jay White was eliminated. And I was like, I don't think that's correct, but I don't also want to correct him just in case he is right. Then I look like an idiot. And so I didn't. And then it turns out that Jay White wins the whole thing on that side or wins the B block. So, um, you know, before we, before we move on, cause I, I do want to ask you, uh, a, a few more questions about the G one, uh, for those who enjoy the raw, reviews that we do from 1993 we are in august now the lex express is in full motion we for this show because we have so much to talk about we are going to discuss g1 and SummerSlam and takeover and some of the stuff about AEW, and then we'll quickly go through the ufc card this weekend and then we're going to save two raw reviews for tomorrow so we'll record those tomorrow night as sort of a side a and a side b for this episode there's so much stuff to get through you know we took the week off and you know we want to catch up and we want to make sure that we don't get behind so that's what we're going to do so this show will just be you know going over sort of the news and what's going on and then tomorrow in case anything breaks we can still talk about it but we'll we'll just mostly keep it for the raw recaps okay we did this poll uh, a, a guy on our uh, on our page um, who knows uh, who knows Duan. I think Duan invited him. He basically said, "Who's the MVP of the tournament?" And he you know did a poll on the on the group. And in the group, um, the person who got the most votes was Ishii, and Osprey, Ibushi, and Shingo all got one vote each. But Ishii was the MVP according to our poll on uh, the Fight Game Podcast Facebook group. Now, I picked Ishii, and it was close for me because I really liked Will. Of course, Okada. Okada was in the two my two favorite matches of the whole tournament. Uh, but there were so many good matches in this tournament. It was really hard to figure out who the MVP was. But I stuck with Ishii because I thought, you know, sometimes when you're watching – one of the blocks and you're like oh it's the third match on the show is this really going to be good and you're like oh it's ishii it's going to be good and it was good so that's kind of how i valued my my pick for the mvp but who was your mvp and uh and you know just why do you think they were the mvp of the tournament well, i had ishii as well just sort of simple fact that everyone he wrestled in the block i think he probably had their best match of the tournament so, you know, Jeff Cobb's best matches with Ishii, you know, I think a lot of people will agree with that, though I really liked his match with Naito and Tagagi as well. But, but I, you know, he, you know, he had the best Yano match of the tournament. And I thought that was fantastic. Um, you know, down the line, him and uh, Shingo was just, just unbelievable. What a great main event that was. And Shingo is a close second for me too, because the same, same thing with him, like, 
know, he always had great matches with everyone he wrestled. And you have Osprey had a really good tournament. Um, Okada, Tanahashi had a good tournament as well. Uh, but I had to go with Ishii as well. I think he's uh, pretty unanimous with everyone, and I, I agree. All right, so I think when I when I look back, I think my favorite match was still Okada versus Will Ospreay, and we talked about that match when it happened. Uh, we even put a, we even put that conversation on on YouTube. So if you haven't heard us talk about that match, you know we talked about it for like ten minutes as far as just you know everything about that match. It, it is on our YouTube account. You can go to youtube.com front slash fight game uh, podcast or fight game pod, I think. And so um, I still think that was my favorite match. And I know that people, I won't say that they were disappointed in Okada and Ibushi, because I don't think anyone can really be disappointed in that match. But to me, that was my second favorite match just because of how they went home with it. And and I thought there were so many like great surprises in that match. And, you know, you and I have watched thousands of wrestling matches and so, you know, we, we kind of watch them in a way where, like, we're kind of looking for stuff. We're like, oh, I wonder what they're going to hear. You know, you, you, you if, if you're watching a Chris Jericho match, you, you can call basically the whole thing, but don't tell him <laughs> because he's going to get mad. But, we, we I mean, we're, we're looking for stuff like that. We don't generally just watch it, you know, and just sort of not think about it. But when I watched that match, there was, like, three or four things that they did that caught me by surprise. And I was like, whoa, I didn't even think that that's where they were going. And so I really love that match. That was my second favorite match. Um, but I also think the, and this is kind of you know next level, which is they left some stuff on the table for Tokyo Dome. If you know, I think that's everyone thinks that's where they're going, and so they didn't have like the ultimate ultimate match, but they had just enough to where I was like, oh my god, that was really good, and I can't wait to see them wrestle again. Yeah, that's. That's exactly what good wrestling is, and they did a great job, and they left a lot on the table. I'm sure they're Tokyo to a match. I mean, I'm I'm 99.9% sure that's going to be one of the main events. I think it's going to be a a call to defend the title twice, is what I'm what I'm hearing. So, I wonder who his second opponent will be. And so, do you mean on back to back nights? Yeah, I think that will happen. You know, it may be the back the last night. It's Ibushi and Okada, whoever he wrestles on the first night, he goes to a war. And maybe that will be just that one little thing where Ibushi beats Okada. And there's like, well, was he 100? You know, if he would have, what was he 100% mm-hmm. versus Ibushi? And you kind of come back with it in another main event, you know, down the line. Um, but my favorite match of the whole tournament, I will say it was the finals for the fact that it was so dramatic, mm-hmm. you know. And there's that there's a lot of those moments, those character moments, like where Ibushi's just showing this like 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 passion, you know, he's mm-hmm. not bullshitting out there. He's not fucking around. It's not it, it makes you suspend disbelief. You're into the story. Like I feel like, man, this guy's you know, he's wrestling this great match and he's wrestling this guy who's such a great heel. And then there's this and this is where like it's the first time I think outside interference you actually get angry about, right? Yeah. Not that you're angry that's just happening. Oh, man, why are you doing that? But it was like, you know, the f- crowd's getting pissed. They're getting upset. You can feel the heat in the building. And there's a moment where just Bushi's just looking at him like, you know, I'm going to fuck you up now, you know? And, like, <laughs> that shit's great stuff. And and that's missing a lot, a lot in pressing today. 
you know, you, you remember like watching Dusty Rhodes look at Flair like, now I'm going to beat your ass, you know what I mean? Or Steve Austin doing the same thing. And like, you just don't get that anymore as much, in my opinion. Or it just seems so fabricated, you know, like you just kind of see like you just, they're just playing this character. But, but like Ibushi, I just felt like a real emotion out of him, you know? And, and that, you know, I thought the New Japan production like captured everything great. And, uh, and then also they kept you guessing at the end, right? You like a little back and forth with stuff and a lot of great reversals that didn't seem like overly done. It actually seemed perfectly timed and, so I was really, I was really impressed with that final. So I really liked that. And I'm not a big fan of ref bumps and matches, and it really just buzzed me out. But I thought everything worked well here. Okay, I knew we were going to eventually do this, uh, but we will talk about SummerSlam in a little bit. But you mentioned something that I really, really wanted to talk about, which is Kota Ibushi as the ultimate babyface that you were rooting so hard for. I told, I think I told someone. Uh, you know, uh, jokingly, but I would have given my ankle to Kota Ibushi in that match because I just, you know, you just wanted it for him. And so let's compare that to the main event of SummerSlam, which is Seth Rollins and Brock Lesnar, which in of itself on that card was a pretty decent match. Though, you know, compared to what we saw in G1, not at that level, but again, that, you know, that's not really what they're trying to do. Um, for whatever reason, that that's just not their style, you know, for what Vince McMahon thinks is, is what he wants. So that match starts, and the crowd is in love with Brock Lesnar. Now, I don't really hold that against Seth because Brock Lesnar is the one guy in WWE who's treated as larger than life. They don't treat anybody other than Brock Lesnar like that. So that's sort of expected. And by the end of the match, Seth does win over the crowd. But as I'm watching this match, I'm watching Seth do everything in the book to get that crowd to turn, and they turn, and he is moaning in a bear hug. He is trying all these tricks to gain sympathy, and the only thing I can think of is I loved Kota Ibushi so much. And I really, really wanted Brock Lesnar to win this match. So whatever Seth was doing for me, and I'm only saying this for me. I'm not saying this for anybody else. All that he was doing to gain that sympathy, to be that babyface, to win this match so that he can win the championship again, did not work. And some of it is because they are following the exact same pattern that they followed with Roman Reigns, which is finally overcomes climbs that mountain, wins the title, fans don't care, so then they knock him back all the way to step one, and he's got to go all the way through that that climb again to win, so that the, you know, it's like they, they're, they're doing it again, like they, they did with Roman many times, and now it's sort of Seth's turn. And and, and look, you know, when, when Roman got sick, I told uh, Big Dave Meltzer right away, I was like, they gotta be, it's got to be Seth, like he's got to be the guy. And they went with him, and he did all the stuff, and he is just not doing it for me. Now, you know, we're a little bit closer to, to this thing than a lot of people, like a lot of those fans who were, you know, at, in Toronto 
I mean, some of them are because WWE has a has a certain hardcore fan base, but not all of them are, are following Seth and watching what he's saying in in the media. I, I I think he's a really good sort of dickish like chicken shit heel because that's what his personality seems like in real life, especially when he's doing this media. Like when he's doing this media, I just go, "Wow, you're such an unlikable guy!" Like, how are you the number one babyface? And I think that comes across a lot of the time in his, in his work. Like, I think he'd be so much better as like that. You know that that heel that just does you know whatever to to get on your nerves, and so you know I'm watching this match, and at the end I'm like, you know what? He actually turned this thing around. Brock did a great job. Brock gave him just about everything. You know, I think Brock actually gave him more in this match than he even gave Roman in in some of those matches. And I was like, you know what? Great job. But at the end of it, I go, you know what? Seth is still in the same place as he was when he won at WrestleMania. And I don't feel that way about Coda. I feel like after winning this really long, drawn-out tournament, I'm like, you know what? As much as I love Coda, I love him so much more as a wrestler, and I really want him to, you know, to get to, to that mountaintop. And here, I'm just like, eh, good job, Seth. Good job by you. Oh, well. well, we'll see what happens next week. So when you looked at both shows, like... Number one babyface on in WWE. Number one babyface, at least right now in New Japan. Um, you know, compare and contrast sort of your your feeling in, in in both situations. Well, it just comes down to creative. It goes to you know the better build of and honestly, I mean, it's, it's, New Japan has better creative than the WWE when it comes to the main roster stuff, like. You know, they did a great job with, you know, Coda this last year, building up to this moment. It all started with a year ago when he made it to the finals of G1 and lost to Tanahashi and then came and won it this year. Like, it's kind of like, you know, usually the guy that goes into the finals a lot of times and loses ends up coming back next year and winning it. And, you know, a, a lot of times it's happened. That's going to happen every year. But, you know, I don't expect Jay White to win it next year. But, um, or maybe he will. <laughs> I don't know. Uh but yeah, I think you know, just you know, you, you, for Seth, I think the creative has not been strong. As we, you know, a lot of problems with WWE is that you know, like we talk about every week, like they're just not a lot of stars. There's a lot of wrestlers on the card. There's a lot of, you know, there's no like strong contender. So here he is. He wins the match at WrestleMania in the opener, by the way, which you know could have been a good thing because the crowd's hot. You know, in the beginning, and but you know, it's all because Brock probably wanted to go home early, which you know, he's the smartest man in wrestling. Um, and they had nothing to follow mm -hmm. that with. They had Baron Corbin, they thought maybe put him in with Becky, you know, you know, talk about their relationship, maybe that would you know, spice things up. It really didn't, it kind of cooled off them even a little more, in my opinion. So they, you know, they had they went back with Brock, and I thought they had a great main event. I thought it was fantastic. Um, I thought the show was overall good, um, but I was, you know, that really that main event really was really damn good. You know, Brock. A lot of people get on Brock for being the same, having the same matches, but you know what? They ended up being the best match of the night, and this was, you know. No exception. Like, this was a great match. And I thought, yeah, you know, right off the bat, you know, Brock is over and Brock, people are chanting for Brock. But I thought Seth did a really good job of getting that sympathy, turning that crowd around, um, 
just doing going balls out, try to have the you know a great match and you know that you know that spot with the table that splash of the off the of that corner was nuts. Um, yeah, I, I liked it. I liked how they finished it. I liked the finish. I liked everything about that match, and I'm glad it happened because, like I said, it was a good show. I enjoyed. I was enjoying SummerSlam, but like it, it, I was waiting for that big match. You know what I mean? That just it's like a really great match, and then those guys delivered the main event. So going back to G1, and like I said, we'll cover SummerSlam a little bit. You know, every everyone's always everyone's had their. SummerSlam and G1 recaps, and we're coming in a few days late, but it gives us a uh, it gives us an opportunity to kind of look at the big picture and kind of step back and go, okay, what did we see? Uh, so going back to the G1, um, how was it seeing Jeff, someone who you are very close to, go through the whole thing? You know, people were I think people were a little bit harsh on him. Some of it was. You know, maybe a little bit deserved, but I thought he, uh, I thought for the first time, I thought he did a really good job. Uh, but how was it just seeing, you know, seeing him and, and for the, you know, for maybe, you know, the most important moment so far in his career because he's still got, you know, a long ways to go as far as, you know, getting to that, that high peak of, of his career. He's, he's, you know, he, he's, he's on his way. But, you know, just explain and sort of go through your thoughts and your emotions and all that, you know, watching him wrestle day in and day out. Uh, I was ex- extremely excited for him. I mean, he's accomplished so much in his wrestling career already. Like every every box he wants to check off, he's been checking those boxes. And this was a goal of his to get to the G1 tournament. And it was something I thought, like, man, it's going to be tough to get in. But once Elgin, you know either quit or they didn't want to resign him whatever whatever the story is there like it it opened up an opportunity for jeff and he's like really well liked there like people respect him he's hardworking. he's uh you know a good guy in the locker room um i know tanahashi loves him i know ishii loves him um respects the hell out of him um i think that you know i thought it was kind of a cool thing at first, I'm like, oh, man, I kind of wish he was in the block with Akata and Tanahashi and all that, right? But, like, I think it's good that he was in this B block and to where he get to show the people what he can do in singles, you know? And and I think he proved himself in this term. He had a lot of good matches, some really good matches. You know, Ishii, Shingo, Naito, Taichi, Goto was pretty good. Um, there were some rough ones, like I would say um, – you know, the Juice match was kind of a disappointment, and the Jay White match I thought was also a dis- disappointment. But, you know, I thought his match with Yano was very entertaining. My daughter loved it. <laughs> I was actually, you know, it was one of those early mornings, and I had it on my phone, and I said, hey, Chloe, Uncle Jeff's wrestling. And she sat on my lap, and my wife took a video of it, and she's, you know, enjoyed And she loved it. She actually wanted to watch it twice. You know, she thought the funny man was kind of funny, and she was excited to see Uncle Jeff Especially when he threw a suplex on the video, it's cute. She goes, "Wow, you know," and um, I said that to Uncle Jeff, and he he thought it was the cutest thing ever. So, yeah, it was it was awesome and, and, and emotional. Like I got really emotional actually watching his match with Naito because Naito, you know, one of the top guys there. You know, top what top 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 three of of course, right? So this is a big match for Jeff. So he has to have a good match. If you have a good match with the top guys, it stands out. And I thought they did really well. And it was cool. You can see the respect that Naito has for Jeff, right? He put him over strong. I thought that was probably Jeff's best when it came to, like, what he can do. 
Like, cause he can do a lot of special things with his power. He has these various suplexes. And I thought, like, like I was hoping to see more matches even with Ishii and Shingo. Shingo gave him a lot, let him do a lot. And, like, with stuff with, like, Juice and Jay, I thought, man, you should do your some of your suplexes that you're not doing and to kind of stand out a little more. And, like, Naito gave him a lot. Let him show his power. And that's what got him over the crowd even more. And then uh, and Naito let him kick out of the Destino, which a lot of times he doesn't, you know, a lot of guys don't kick out of that, right? So that was a big deal. So I thought, and I was just like, I remember I was watching at work and I had my headphones on. I'm in up, up in our, we have a little, uh, the can't like a top area it's kind of private and for breaks and stuff and i'm like want to scream and yell but i can't right it's like <laughs> big old office and i'm just like pumping my fist because i'm like dude because he's hitting home runs this match and and uh i know he was excited and he really liked it and the office liked it so i you know you see definitely see more jeff cobb in uh, new japan and the final night he got the pin in, in the tag match so that says a lot so where do you think he goes from here? Because you know it's not it's not that long ago where I'm asking you, how does he get into PWG? How does he get into into more, you know? How does he get on more radars of, of people who who make decisions? Like how's this gonna happen? And now, you know, he was in the freaking G1. Uh, but where, where do you think this? Where do you think this goes from here? I mean, I know I don't know his exact ROH contract details, but. Um, I would imagine that you know he's probably going to have an, an option to to either stay with ROH or which allows him to stay with New Japan unless New Japan and ROH you know decide for whatever reason to to stop working together. Um, but you know he, he's he's also not uh, a spring chicken. You know he is a little bit older than a lot of these guys who are sort of up and coming. But where do you know where, where does he go? Like where are you looking for Jeff? You know if you're you, you are close to him, but you are also one of his biggest fans. Like what are you looking for for him? I would like to see him full time with New Japan. You know for a year. Um, I do know he you know the way his contract is. I think it's I think he I think you know January first or something like that. He you know his contract's up and he's gonna have a lot of options. You know I'm sure WWE's gonna want him. Um, I'm sure ROH wants to keep him. I believe New Japan's gonna want him. I, you know, I think he, I think he definitely, you know, stood out in this tournament. He made a very big impression. I, 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 I assume he'll be on more tours coming up, and you know, I have feeling he'll definitely be in that tag team tournament again. You know, with a new partner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I like to see. I mean, you know, maybe uh, Hanare might be his partner. Something mm-hmm. like that. I could see something like that going. Um. Yeah, I just seem like a full time because I, you know, I like to see because I want to see Jeff versus Tanahashi, and I, I'm sure Tanahashi wants to wrestle that match. And, and same thing with Okada and an Naito rematch, and and you know, I think he can, I think he hang can hang in with those guys if given the chance. So um, that's what I like to see from Jeff, and you know, I'm sure AEW is going to want him, right? They're going to mm-hmm. need some guys with some power instead of you know comedy characters. They they do not have a Jeff Cobb currently no, on their roster. No, no, he, no, he's too serious probably for him. But uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know he's going to have a lot of options come you know probably Jan- you know January first and and that's a good thing for him and 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 uh, but yeah, I'm sure you know New Japan might if the, you know might want him to stay with ROH too, right? They have that work you continues. Cause yeah, who knows what's going to happen with that. Do you think if he stays on that side, because, you know, I'm watching this match and I'm thinking, you know, how you, know, you, you always hear the stories 
how do these guys get through this tournament? AJ Styles made a comment about how rigorous it is. And I'm thinking like, man, you know, how is Jeff going to stay healthy? And I, obviously I'm sure he's dinged up just like everyone else's, but he sure as hell didn't show it. He did everything from the beginning to the end. But if he continues in that, uh, you know, in that sort of um, style of, of just, you know, everything is so it's just so hard like it's a hard style like do you think his body can hold up and because you if you want you know you're you're saying work there for a full year will, will he be able to hold up would it be in his best interest to to take a lot of that punishment well you got to remember too like new japan they do a lot of eight mans and six man tags so and the tour tours so it's not like you're there you know every day so there's that even this year's g1 was spaced out a lot more yeah to where they had a lot more days off you know because they, they they don't want the guys coming out injured you're going to get injured it's you know it's pro wrestling and i'm sure jeff was tired and dinged up you know like, like they all were but um i think he made it out okay and um but yeah i think i think uh, i think he'd be fine for a whole year and and, and and Jeff will be definitely up for it. You know, he takes care of himself really well and and stuff. And he's just so he's like, well, also one of those freak athlete guys. Like he just, you know, he he's such a, and he's such a good like seller. Like he just sometimes he, like I get tricked so many times by him. And I usually pretty good. I usually know right to bat. I'm like, okay, just sell. But sometimes I have to like text him like, hey, bro, you all right? Dude, you're good, you know. And he's like, ah, no, nah, I'm doing all right, you know. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, he's 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 great. He's smart too. Like it's you know, he knows what gets over that he can do, and like I said, like if he was on full time with New Japan, there's so many eight man tags and six man tags that he can you know come in do some things and tag out and you know and then when and then when it's the big one on one matches like a New Japan Cup or a G one or a, a Never Title or Intercontinental I do that that's when you that's when you put your body on the line that's when you step it up a little bit you know so. Before we get off of the New Japan topic and we uh, move over to WWE, give me your. I, I know, I know you. I know there's a lot of stuff that you're ready to say about Tanahashi. He had a, a disappointing <laughs> tournament for his sake, but I, I feel like the um, the rebirth or the revenge or whatever the the storyline is. For next year or the year after for Tanahashi, like it's coming. Like he, th- this is the year where he, you know he he took a couple of more L's than he he's used to. But I feel like there's still a revenge tour coming, up you know coming next year or the year after. It was funny. I always thought like I was watching Coda, and I always thought like what if Coda went dark one day, like dark Coda where he's like an all black, you know. And I was thinking about Tanahashi when he, you see, he had a promo, right? Something about like he's gonna like needs to do something because this year he came up short and wasn't in the finals or wasn't even contending on the last night or something like that. So, yeah, you know, Tanahashi, God, I don't know if I want to see him be a heel in New Japan. Now, he's a great heel. If you go back in 2008 and watch his stuff in All Japan, like he was fucking asshole. Like he's cocky, arrogant, um, uh, I you know, he can definitely pull it off, uh. What, but he's just the ultimate baby face in New Japan, like the ultimate like 
just a legend, right? So uh, maybe next year, maybe next year he goes into the final. Maybe next year that's the story. Like next year he had a bad year, and, and this year and didn't make it to the finals. This year he makes it to the finals, but against a guy like Osprey, mm-hmm. and Osprey beats him. Which I had an issue with their match, just the finish alone. I thought, I thought that since Osprey wasn't beating him to go to the finals or beating him to win the tournament, I thought they should have had Tanahashi go over mm-hmm. in this match with Osprey to leave that open for down the line when it's for a championship or it's for a G1 victory. But I thought they kind of spoiled that. But it was a great match and a big match for Osprey, and it, and it had impact, but I think it would have been a, a, a much bigger impact if it was for something – you know, a little, you know, something of value, like the, like I said, the a title or a G1 tournament win. Okay, now, just because you brought it up, now we're going to kind of dig in a little bit here. <laughs> These, okay, Osprey's selling in that match, I'm sure that it's the one of the things that stood out to you. Uh, and, it, and it's one of your complaints about him as a wrestler, which, you know, and that's not to say that you don't like him, because I think you have said that he's awesome. But... You know, he's his leg is he's he's selling the leg the whole time, and then you know he's got to power up to do a lot of the stuff that that he does, which has him jumping off of stuff and being very athletic. And in order to do that, you kind of have to have a healthy leg. Uh, sometimes he's you know he's jumping off of one leg, sometimes he's not. But what did you think about the whole thing? Because you know it, it was one of the you know sort of insider pro wrestling things it was one of the big arguments coming out of that match it was funny because big dave and i were talking about this on sunday and we were talking about that match and he's like yeah brian didn't like it you know he's Br- brian did selling. brian did like it by the way he just didn't like it as oh, much as dave yeah he didn't like he had an issue with osprey selling, right yeah yeah and i was like oh that's funny because i'm nitpicky as hell with that kind of stuff right and i didn't see an issue with it. you're the first person that i thought of when i was watching this match I mean, he was doing stuff and registering his his hurt leg at the same time. Like he wasn't just like hitting a move and being completely fine. Like he would hit a spring up, hit a move, and 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 still like you know hobble a little bit and and stuff like that. I I thought he was I was really impressed actually. Honestly, I was I was uh, you know me I nitpicked the shit out of that stuff and I was like I, I I thought he did a really good job like I said like you know Osprey's been this year has been really winning me over and I, and that you see his growth as a as a worker yeah. putting it all together and you know I just my issue was just the finish I just thought you know Tanahashi should have went over and you know but I, I yeah but that that was a really good match really great great match actually yeah I mean my whole thing is if you wanna nitpick selling you can probably do that in just about every wrestling match um going today i think will will gets a little bit uh people expect a little bit more out of him sometimes and he's also under a microscope just because he can do things that nobody else can do like can you imagine like randy orton watching a will osprey match like he's probably making fun of the guy for doing all kinds of stuff you know for no reason or whatever you know randy's so old school but i do think like you know, the, that strong style in New Japan, you could critique everyone for not selling enough on something, but 
it doesn't take away from the drama because those matches are so well put together. Like, you know, I'm thinking of Shingo. Like, Shingo, he no-sells clotheslines to then sell it, you know, two clotheslines later. But it's not like he pretends like he has an injured collarbone or shoulder and thus cannot do, you know, his finishing move. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you could you could look at it in that way. I, I, I lean more towards Brian as far as, you know, just going... You know, you've mentioned it before, right? Going from zero to hero mm-hmm. uh you know just very quickly but you know the other analogy that i that i gave is that you know when a boxer is in a is in a fight uh, and he breaks his hand the instinct is to use the hand and throw more with the hand because you can't feel it and you won't feel it for a couple rounds so it's like well you've got the broken hand and it's numb just keep throwing it because it's probably not going to get worse. And I sort of think so when it, when I watch wrestling matches and I see, you know, it's like ah oh, maybe they could have sold that better. Then I go okay, well in boxing, you know, this is what you would do if you actually broke your hand. So you know you can think about it in, in, in tons of different ways. But ultimately, you know, while pro wrestling is definitely sort of a a under the guise of what a real fight is, like it's obviously not anywhere close to a real fight because of, yeah, of the, you also got to think of like adrenaline rushes and that's a real thing and fighting through the pain and that's you know that's a real thing as long as they can get that over to me i said one thing i think a lot of people get on osprey you know because he's so like such a natural athlete like mm-hmm. he has you know the best probably leaps and hops and wrestling you know with ricochet probably right yeah, if they, I mean, if they would let Ricochet do anything anymore, but they don't. <laughs> well, they're, they're letting them tell stories, what they're doing, honestly. I mean, I like that match with AJ. I mean, it wasn't a barn burner that, you know, people were probably expecting, but, you know, they went a, they went the story route, and I, I liked it, and he was doing stuff and doing cool stuff, like they'll jump on springboard one leg, and I thought that was cool. The Toronto crowd was weird. It had been weird all week, and we'll talk about that later. I mean, we, let's just segue right into it. We, we can go ahead, but keep, keep going with what you're saying. I was just saying, I think Osprey, is, it's such an easy thing. Like, for him, like, for me to jump up and do a backflip, I'd probably kill myself. <laughs> but for him, like, he could do it, you know, lead tall buildings in a single battle. Yeah, like, he yeah, just does absolutely. it. It's so natural. And so when he executes that move, it just comes off like he does it all the time. Maybe... I don't know if you can even do it to where you know maybe he'll grow. He'll he'll get better with that stuff like that. But I thought that match was great and his performance was really. Well. And it was funny. I was watching that match. And I was like, this is a good match for Jim Cornette to watch because he's so critical of guys like Osprey and stuff. Yeah. Like I would like to see his reactions to this match. I, I think he would enjoy it. You know, he probably put over Tanahashi big time because he's the greatest. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So so let's let's move on to SummerSlam. Again, everyone has heard everybody's review of SummerSlam already, uh, so we don't have to go over every match. But there were little things on this show. Uh, I watched it on my iPad. I wasn't, you know, listening to the announcing intently, and I wasn't watching it like, you know, like I had to mm-hmm. review it. I was just watching it like as a fan, you know, just kind of kicking back and watching it. And I was entertained for sure. But it's really hard because, you know, when you watch something like the G1 and you are so uh, you are so on your on the edge of your seat about who's going to win that you invest more into the result and thus into the match. And for most of these matches, save for Seth and Brock, 
Um, and maybe Trish and Charlotte, though I knew, I mean, I knew Charlotte was going to win that match, but those are really the only matches where I felt myself going like, okay, I really want to see X person win. And for the most of, for most of it, otherwise, I was just like, eh, I just watched it and I, it was, oh, this was cool. That, that really wasn't that good. This was kind of okay. The crowd really reacted to that. Like Kevin Owens and Shane McMahon, right? Like if you were to put that match on uh without the sound i would go like holy crap like what level of amateur wrestling match are we watching here but you put that match with the crowd and they're going crazy for everything kevin owens is doing because you know he's he's the hometown baby face right uh shane is so terrible but you know he's probably the second to Brock Lesnar, the biggest star in the company. He gets the biggest reaction every single time, and he carries himself like an absolute star. And so it means something when you when you actually beat him. So I thought Kevin Owens, you know, he gained something beating Shane, and hopefully they they continue uh, and, and he can kind of gain, you know, he can, he can move on and, and, and become bigger in the company. But, um, you know, th- there were only a few matches where I really felt like that, and that's just sort of WWE training. And I don't, I don't know why they want us as fans to feel that way, but, uh, but yeah, uh, other, other, you know, I like I absolutely could not care less who won between Becky and Natalia. I was like, oh, it'd be cool if Natalia won, but you know, Becky's the top star, so who really cares? I, I'm just want to see what happens. Um, when, when you, when you watch SummerSlam. Uh, knowing that you know it's going to be this long show, uh, you know it's twelve matches. If you watch the pre-show, if you didn't watch the pre-show, it's only nine matches, and it actually moved pretty well. It's like one of the best moving WWE shows in a while. But uh, but when you watched it, like I mean, what did you think? Did you, I, I imagine you you enjoyed it, like you mentioned. But you know, was there anything special that stood out, or was there anything that you were just super disappointed in? I was kind of disappointed in the crowd overall. I thought like. Like, for Trish and Charlotte, like, they reacted to the entrances of Trish. But when the match started, like, there was no buzz or vibe or something like that. And, like, I felt like there should have been, right? Like, and it, it, it took a lot for those girls to win this crowd or get them crowded into it. And they weren't having a bad match. They had a pretty good match. And I thought Trish looked really good for being out so long and, you know, hasn't done a singles match and, you know, what was that Evolution show? Like, like two years ago now, or was that two years? But that, ago? that was a tag, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a tag match too. So this was a singles match. They went long. I mean, that Hurricanrana spot. Holy cow, that was nuts! Like Charlotte holding her up. I thought it was that. That was a real, I thought that was a good match. Uh, second long, second longest match on the show, actually. And it should have got time for sure. You know, it was definitely one of the biggest matches on that card. Um, the opener, Natalia and Becky, um, I actually had to rewatch the first hour. You know, I didn't miss, I missed the first hour of my original view. So I only watched like, you know, three, two and a half hours of the show. So it was very fast for me. I ended up watching the, the other hour later. And I remember my friend was talking about the match. He was kind of confused. Like, like, I don't understand why there's not confused. He's just like, just like questioning, like, why is there like no rope breaks for submissions? And so I couldn't figure it out either. He's telling me about it, but he said the match was fine and everything was good. But it just was the rope breaks was a was a weird thing. And then I saw the match and I figured out what it was. It was just for that spot with the shark shoot in the corner to be done. Mm-hmm. That's why I think they were doing it for. Like they wanted to do that spot and they thought it was cool and they wanted to make sure it made sense. I guess that's why that's why I'm thinking. Um, 
but you know that 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 match is good. You know, Natalia is really good and brings the best best out of Becky. Um, I like the Goldberg Ziggler stuff. That was that super was, fun. That was fun, and Ziggler played his role well. And you know, Ziggler you know, don't like Ziggler knows he's not going to be pushed to the top. You know, he's 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 there when they need him in certain spots. I need a heel. Throw Ziggler in there. That's kind of like his role. You know, he he seems like. He seems like he's actually enjoying this part of his career. Like he knows, you know, he's not expected to be the next top guy mm-hmm. and they would never let him get there. Like they would let him get close, but they would never let him get there, you know, whether for his own sake or, you know, f- you know, if someone doesn't like him as much as as maybe they like others, but he seems to be embracing what he's doing and I thought he did a really good job. I thought Goldberg was awesome and the funny thing to me was like watching these supposed prognosticators going like, "Ah, you know, why would you have this young guy get beat by this old guy?" I was like, "What are you guys even talking about? Come on." Yeah, Ziggler's been it forever. Like, there's no big deal about beating. You know, it's just a nice little nice little crouton and salad, you know, with Goldberg on the show, right? Yeah. A little crunch. And he comes out and and he looked great and i'm glad he got like goldberg man i was and i know he had you know him and undertaker had a bad freaking night man and that saudi arabia show and i was you know so i'm glad he came out and and the crowd was into it big time and they liked him um i thought the shane and you know owen stuff was was fine i just you know shane's never been you know (laughs) You know, technical wizard out there, and his punches always look really bad. But you know, the crowd was into the hometown boy getting the revenge, and yeah, let's see what I think they're just probably gonna, what go always this hell in the cell. I get, I'm guessing. Seems I guess. Like I mean, they had that hell in the cell match with like two years ago. Them too. Yeah. God damn, I don't remember that. Yeah, well, we're doing it again. <laughs> that's, what, <laughs> that's what I feel like. Well, I don't think you know because like they they did some kind of thing on SmackDown where they find him. Or something, I don't know. But anyways, I thought you know, I thought the Ricochet AJ was a good wrestling match, told a good story. I was into that match. I was hoping Ricochet would beat AJ. Yeah, I know they're really putting. I just worry about beating Ricochet too much. Well, I mean, Um, he he also hasn't really had that great match yet. Like he's 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 uh, presented as this guy who does all of these great things. But they don't. They only let him really do like one or two super impressive things every match, and and they make him do a lot of selling. Which, you know, I, I don't have a problem with that. Like if he's going to be that baby face, you know, he's going to have to sell his ass off. But I just, I, I just wonder. You know, you you kind of you're reprogramming this guy in a sense, and sometimes I worry that they're taking away what makes him special. I think he'll have that breakout match. I, you know, recently too. Have you noticed like the matches on Raw? I mean, I haven't watched a lot of the Raws lately, but like when you look at results and times of the matches on these Raws are really short. Like a lot of TV matches are going really short on Raw side. And that's where yeah. he's at. So uh, he hasn't had that moment like you know Buddy Murphy had this past Tuesday right. with Roman. So I think he'll get that. I think. I mean, we know that Paul Heyman like really high on Ricochet. Right, and I think he's building to that moment, that match, that barn burner. I feel it's going to happen soon, and I think this was just another step. And I realized at the finish, that's what that's yeah. When he lost, I was like, okay, I got faith in Paul that where he wants to go with this. I think he'll get. I think he can get Ricochet over if if 
if certain people don't intervene and stuff and you know but uh i i i still have i'm still have faith in in and ricochet and, and i thought that match was really good i like the story i like i like i like ricochet selling of, of the knee and stuff and I do that you know that finish that he got from uh i wonder if that's where uh because that's what coda did to uh aj yeah and their title match yep somewhere that they had a hey remember that, that oh awesome. I'm, I'm sure i mean yeah you know I, yeah. I i don't know if aj was watching you know the g1 like we were but i'm sure he was like you know paying attention to what was going on um, okay, so before we get to the fiend, because I really want your opinion on that character, and also sort of on you know what they're doing with Finn, but our boy Randy Orton, I usually defend Randy Orton almost to you know almost to a ridiculous degree. He mailed in his performance against Kofi Kingston. You think so? Kofi Kingston was trying so hard to do all of these things to get cheered. And the crowd was just like, eh, we're not really into this. And I because almost... not into Kofi. Right. Yeah, yeah. and, and you know, we, we've been talking about this since before WrestleMania. And I feel like Randy could have amped up his performance a little bit to get the fans behind Kofi a little more than they were. And he was just like, you know, I'm only going to... You know, I'm only going to do what I'm what I'm here to do, and you know, this is going to be a double countout. So this match is going to, you know, this match is not going to be, you know, to the crowd's liking because of the finish. And I'm just gonna, you know, I'm just going to do my normal match. Like I'm going to do my normal SmackDown match. And I really thought he could have dialed it up a little bit more, considering that Kofi was doing everything humanly possible to get over in this match, and the crowd didn't care. And you know, you know, we talk about Orton and. You know, him being really smart, you know, and, and, and so I understand, you know, what what he does uh, in, in general. But I just thought he could have gave Kofi a little bit more. And then there's just there's that little Orton smirk that was going on where I was just like, OK, like, I know, I know. But you could have you could have did a little bit more in this match. Well, here's the thing. Kofi's not over. The belt's not over. It's a cold. It's a, it's a two inside baseball storyline, honestly. Yeah. Great video package explaining things, but I mean, to the average fan, like glass ceiling and holding him back, <laughs> and all they're showing highlights of just yeah. Randy Orton arcade and pinning him just means like, hey, you weren't that good enough then. Yeah. But now you are. If they're saying like, hey, I couldn't beat this guy back then. I had this also momentum. I was going to win the championship. I just fell short. But now I've grown as a as a wrestler. I've gained the experience. I'm the man now. I'm going to, you know, this is, I always thought about that time. Randy Orton beat me for the championship. Or I had I had the championship won and Randy Orton was able to retain. I just felt it slipped through my fingers. This time I'm the champ. I'm going to retain against him and beat him. But it was all about the, the, the bullshit that a lot of people don't really know or yep. care. Yep. And, and then you had this flat fucking finish. And granted, I understand it's, stage one part one of a of a three-part story right the announcers well, could have clued us in that well, they were the, actually the, on the verge of, of of getting counted out yeah for some reason the announcers had to play stupid the cameraman had to play stupid like like where the directors like i don't know they wanted a shocking like ending like oh no we got counted out like you just made everyone look like idiots in yeah. my opinion yeah and 
Ah, it was just it was that was the frustrating part. I, the match I thought was fine, and I think you know, kind of funny. Like you had the, I don't know, you, 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 did you physically see him smirk at Kofi? Is that what you're saying? I, I just saw the look on his like face. I was, oh, I mean, you know, look, I, I watched that match and I watched the main event after I already knew what happened. So I was kind of looking for stuff like that. So maybe I'm just like making it up, and it, and it maybe it didn't really happen. But because this is what I took from it, his performance is that Randy Orton's king shit in the locker room, right? He's a legend, right? As they say, the legend killer. He's been here, done that, you know, more times than Kofi. Yep. He is the he's the asshole that's superior to this kid. This guy, he still sees him. As that guy from 2000, was that seven or that happened? Or yeah, eight or nine? whatever. Whenever he still sees Kofi at that level, not his level. Mm-hmm. He's a headline WrestleMania Randy Orton, multiple time world champion Randy Orton. Kofi is a champion now who, you know, has some momentum and won it. But I'm, I'm going to beat this guy. But see, they should have done something where Kofi. I don't know. Like, I don't know if he pins him here or does something where Randy has to lose his shit to get disqualified because he can't beat him. Yeah, or, I, I would have liked that know. so much better. It's just the finish was ex- executed so poorly, and I think that's the issue with this match. I think if we had a different or more create, creative finish, I think we'd be talking about this match a lot differently. All I will say, and we'll put a cap on this, is that Randy Orton sold more for his wife giving him the RKO in the water than he did for Kofi. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the part of the story. <laughs> I'm telling you what they're trying to get over, man. I'm telling you, that's what they're getting over. All right. Randy, this is Lucas, the movie Lucas, man. <laughs> Kobe's Lucas. You are you are really aging yourself with that. With I that. know an old man. Corey Haim. Yeah, Corey. <laughs> <laughs> the girl from Goonies, that's all I remember. <laughs> all right, so, uh, so last thing. You, we already talked about Seth and Brock. We don't have to go over that again, but... The Fiend, Bray Wyatt, mm-hmm. uh, really strong, put over really strong against Finn Balor. I am not a loyal Raw watcher, so I haven't really watched a lot of the the Funhouse stuff. But guys, you know, guys who I really respect as far as their opinion, they really love the Funhouse stuff. Um, you know, Bray coming in, new character. He's a monster. He beats the hell out of Finn. Finn gets a couple of hope spots, but that was it. Finn's sort of on his way out in the, in the sense of that I think he's taking some time off and hopefully he gets repackaged a little bit so he can come back. But uh, what do you think about this, you know, Bray Wyatt sort of, I guess it's, um, what would it be, Husky Harris and Bray? So this is like 3.0, right? This is the third version of Wyndham Rotunda and, and you know, they really believe in him if they continue to repackage him. And uh, he seems like... Um, you know, he, he everything that he brings to the table seems like he should be successful. So, hopefully, this is the this is the character that he latches onto. I think it's absolutely fantastic. It's the I'm the mo- I'm most into this, into this character than anything right now. Like, I want to see more of him, but we can't because there. I you know a lot of people are asking like, why was he on doing anything with him on Raw? Like, because you can't have this character show up. He needs to be like. A new Undertaker. That's really. exactly that. That is exactly what I thought. Which is, here is your new Undertaker. Like the 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 way that they present him, you know, sort of the lights go off and then he shows up, right? Like that's kind of what the Undertaker would do as well. Uh, I think that 
you know, they they really have faith in him if they are kind of projecting him in this all-time, like, Hall of Fame role of the successor to, you know, maybe the greatest character Vince McMahon ever created. And I like his 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 idea he's had. I like that. The, I love this fun house. Stuff. It was so when it first debuted, we we're like, what the heck? <laughs> that's what you want, right? You want people to go, what? That's weird. I kind of want to see that again. And that's how you kind of keep him out in the, in the you know the conscience of the fan, like with the funhouse stuff. And you can tease like, when's the fiend going to come back? When's he going to show up? Who's he going to attack next? Who's his target next? Blah blah blah. You know, you have him wrestle as a fiend on the house shows where people have to pay to go see it, right? Like, that's where, you know, I would have him on house shows. But, like, when it comes to TV, you know, you pick your spots with him. And I think, you know, Balor, you know, is probably taking some time off. I don't know who, you know, is taking some time off, I guess. And, you know, maybe he has some nagging injuries or something. I don't know. But, like, you know, maybe uh, they're building, obviously, to, I believe, the fiend. And the demon, right? Mm-hmm. This is where the fiend beats the demon. This is where the demon loses for the very first time, in my opinion. They they need to do that. They, they it, you need to keep going with this. And when he's ready to come back, Finn Balor's ready to come back. You build that up, and then you have the fiend beat the demon. Put even more emphasis on you know the, this this character and. and sky's limit after that. You could do a lot of cool stuff after that with him. Undertaker, WrestleMania, you could do that. You know, that'd be a, I think, you know, be something I would like to see. I mean, I know Undertaker, he looked good in his tag match, but that was a tag match with yep. uh, Reigns. Um, that was something I would build to in the future with this, for sure. All right. So moving on to NXT. Now, I did not watch the show, like I said. And part of the reason I didn't watch the show or I didn't make the effort is because, you know, A, there wasn't a lot of time, and B, the. Reviews of this show were that it was a good wrestling show, but not on the uh, on the level of a really good takeover, which most of the takeovers are really good. Now, the reason why NXT is pretty important now is because and this is something we didn't get to talk about last week, which is the um, you know in the Observer they mentioned that or Dave mentioned that or Dave wrote that. They are going to basically be the competition for AEW. I don't know exactly how that's going to work because there is stuff on FS1 that that exists on Wednesday night. But it is important for NXT to sort of have some momentum going into whenever this head-to-head starts. And I will say that there are more people like me who do not watch the weekly television and... and maybe aren't as excited for takeovers as they once were. Now, some of that is because there's so much product to watch these days. But also, I feel like some of it is because, you know, I think fans understand that, you know, you're basically watching folks come through this brand. And then when they go to the top level, they aren't really protected very well. And so you're kind of like, oh, well, what am I watching this for? If, if, going to the you know to the finish line means that they're just not as good as everyone else so that being said um let's only spend you know five minutes on these next three topics so we can we can you know because like i said we'll be back tomorrow i don't want to over inundate with the people with content but 
give me sort of your you know your thoughts on the show overall and and then we can talk a little bit about nxt going possibly going head up against aw uh, i thought the over i thought the show was it's definitely the weaker the weakest takeover of the year but it was a really good show um the toronto crowd again was weird like they weren't hot for the opener which i thought they should be like with the tag match but that, that each match other than Shayna and Mia Yim, you know, got the crowd into it. But they kind of, like, seemed to warm up a little bit. Um, that time that actually ended up being really good. And I thought Candice and Io Shirai really, really surprised me. Not, not, not surprised by Io's performance, but Candice. That's probably the best match I've ever seen Candice in. And so you're was- saying she ran the ropes correctly. You know what? I didn't really pay attention. So kind of, I think I block it out. Just the in, in, inside it, joke, because I used to sort of wonder no, why she took so many steps to get to the ropes. Yeah, it was just you know shorter stride. Yeah. Um, but you know, it, it's I thought the match was over, definitely over exceeded my expectations, and it was really good. Uh, the three way was was awesome. Did you watch the three way? I did not. Man, that match was good the only thing i have issues with is that they actually beat pete dunn i mean the way he did it kind of protect him a little bit but i think they should have beat roger strong but you know they had their reasons for that but it's just but that match was great a velveteen dream came out and this freaking awesome entrance he had the mounty song going he had the raptors dance group dancing i mean it was i mean it was killer that was you know he is, you know, his character is so entertaining, and and he's 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 something special for sure. Uh, the only the, the match that was, you know, of course they're in a bad spot is you know Shayna and Mia, yeah, but uh, Mia's not not that good. There was a lot of miscommunication. There was some missed stuff. Do you think it's think- possible that you know sort of her 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 real big. You know her biggest match to date. You know possibly that she was just nervous for for the situation. Possibly, but I don't think I've ever seen a really good Mia match. Yeah, I've never seen anything. You know, even the matches in Mae Young Classic, I thought there were some were okay. Nothing like yeah stood out. What things things about Mia Yim to me is like I think she has this cool look, and I think she can. You know, a lot of young girls could be like into her and stuff like that. I think she has that quality about her. But like when it comes to the matches, I haven't seen her stuff looks weak. Doesn't mm-hmm. look. Oh, it just doesn't look like doesn't look good. And I thought the story they were trying to tell was great. Like with you know Shayna's arm being beat on, and she had to use the uh, uh, legs to choke out Mia. That that was cool. I was actually expecting a title change here, hmm. honestly. Um, and I was glad they did it too, cause, and I think it was the right call because you know Mia's definitely not ready to be, you know, yeah, carry the balls. So I think they're they're you know holding out. I think Shayna, if if they do and they will go and you know on Wednesday night somewhere and compete with compete with uh, AEW, I think you want Shayna as a woman champ on that spot, you know, because she's already better than all the girls on the. I mean, on you know, yeah. I'll say it. She's, you know, when it comes to the championship for champion, I think she's better than those girls right now in AEW. Mm-hmm. And then Adam Cole and Gargano. Uh, I heard some interesting things about this match. It went 46 minutes. They're basically, 
you know, they're, they're trying to outdo two of the greatest matches in WWE history. Though, I will say, while I do like those matches, I don't like them as much as everyone else because I feel like there's too much stuff that I can just see through that's choreographed. And while a lot of it works because the fans are so fired up about it, it just seems so fake to me. But I, I am definitely in the minority when it comes to these matches because people love these matches. Yeah, I thought it was really good. I was just in awe of, like, you know, going so long and keeping that pace. Like, that blew me away. Like, they're still going, like, 100%, like, you know, minute 42, you know, and doing a lot of crazy stuff now that you go to the cage match and you and you it's just, you know, Cole took a swinging DET on supposed to land in the middle of the two chairs and hitting the top of the chair and has this big ding in the right in the middle of his forehead and um, you know the finish was I thought it was pretty clever and and you know nuts at the same time and I, you know I you know they went all out because this is the final match between them right and you know they did the three stages of hell and. And I thought that was, you know, they're trying to make it the most epic thing they can do, right? So to make to put a finals on this match, I thought they accomplished it. Was their best match of the series? No. Um, was it a little bit too long? Yes. <laughs> was it? Uh, but was it a great match still? So yeah, definitely. I thought it was thought it was really good. All right, so let's uh, let's quickly go to AEW, and, and you know we can talk a little bit about what you think they're going to do against Takeover. But they made two major signings over the last couple weeks. One of them I thought was okay, and one of them I'm a little bit confused by. But when I sort of thought about the live crowd and the live act, I sort of understood a little bit more. Um, one of those guys is Marco Stunt, and the other one is Orange Cassidy. And, you know, when I think about Orange Cassidy, the first thing I thought about was, how do you explain his act on television when I've had several people explain it to me, and I still don't really understand it, um, <laughs> but but also, you know, how how, how do you... I, I, I don't know. They're just the, the 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 overall sort of having a match with with this guy in a very serious way, uh, and maybe he's maybe he is another you know maybe he's the 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 light in you know he, the 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 light segment uh, in a match you know sort of like we're watching you know ninety three raw and we see guys like like Doink who's actually super serious in some of his matches but in other matches he's like not serious at all. Um, so you could, you, you know, you could use people like that. But the re- the thing that I thought about was they do they, their basis, right? Like they, they are absolutely trying to go a little bit more mainstream. And, and, you know, with TV, maybe they can do that. But the base of their fans is this, you know, 800 to, you know, 1200 seat buildings of these just just raucous fans who all of those people are in love with someone like Orange Cassidy. So maybe it's just, you know, they're, they are, while they're trying to grow, they also need to cater to this, like, specific fan base, which I am not a part of that part of the fan base. But, but you know, I just wonder, like, what is the reasoning behind it? And that's the only thing I can really think of because I'm not sure exactly how he plays on TV. And, uh, and yeah, like, I just, I'm just trying to visualize. What, but, you know, these guys are smart. I'm sure they have ideas. But when, when you say Orange Cassidy versus... 
you know, Jungle Boy, I'm like, oh no, like what are they gonna do? I can't believe you said major signings. This, I mean, <laughs> if if you look at the the internet, for their right, fan base, I guess, right, right? like the internet blew up with both of those guys signing. Well, it blew up with that one idiot that had to be an asshole and talk about why you know why they signed Marco Stunt. They should be signing him and blah blah. Mm-hmm. Still, like, like, no, dude, sorry, sorry, you got the short end of the straw. Sorry. Yeah. Things didn't fall the way it fell for you. But yeah. Like, don't hate on this kid. Exactly. For, you know, getting a contract, you know? So, but the problem with those guys, both of those guys to me are just short term gimmicks. And, you know, like, once you see Orja Cassidy once or twice, I'm pretty sure you're going to be over it. Like, maybe mm-hmm. it's okay on your, on the indie circuit here and there across the United States. But, like, when it comes weekly on TNT, Will you be into it by week three? I don't think so. Like, yeah. what is his gimmick? Like, when I first saw it, I remember seeing a clip, and I was like, "What the fuck is this shit?" <laughs> I just thought he was like, like you ever watch a movie with like someone who's like very fast, but it's actually in slow motion. Mm-hmm. That's what I thought it was. Like, oh, he's supposed to be like super fast, and uh, maybe you know. it, maybe that's what it is. I I always heard. But that then he like was supposed to be casual guy or something. He like was that. supposed to be like a sloth, like that. Like, you remember what what, what was the. Uh, pets movie is that what it was where the the sloth yeah they, yeah exactly yeah i know i know it knows well i've seen it many times mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah pets the movie pets one the movie yes take so, a life of pets so yeah so maybe you know maybe that uh, but still you know in the vein of professional wrestling like look we are having a discussion about will osprey selling a <laughs> knee and fighting through that knee and then we're also having a conversation about Orange Cassidy on the same podcast. So obviously there are there are the wide ranges of, of what we're talking about. And that's I guess that's part of my problem with it, which is and, and some people will say, look, like pro wrestling, you know, in in of itself allows for a variation of things. And, and maybe that's what's you know really good about it. But at the same time, you know, there is this suspension of disbelief. And I have a real hard problem with suspending my disbelief when you have gimmicks like this. So, yeah, someone on Twitter actually wrote to Cody and said, hey, how can you sign on a guy like Orange Cassidy when Tony Khan's been, you know, talking about TV's going to be sports presentation? Mm-hmm. And he said it's easy. He's all, there's, we're going to have different styles, and he's like a different, you know, different style wrestler. But at the same time, like, you put Orange Cassidy versus Jer- Chris Jericho, mm-hmm. if he's not close on the shit out of him and put him in the lion tamer or whatever whatever he calls it (laughs) now and walls jericho and just like submit him in like seconds like then what the fuck right like how am i gonna believe anything else on this damn show (sighs) it's just i I don't get it like like we're (laughs) someone brought up like who's the biggest guy and like yeah i think luchasaurus but he's a gimmick yeah right i think i think even as luchasaurus they can do something with him and make him a killer um, who's the big guy next? Like, is it Cody? I think Cody's actually a really big guy. And, like, they don't have any monsters or anything like that. They don't have any, like, where's the ass kickers? You know, I guess Jericho's somewhat that. Like, you know, I know he wants to be Bruce Brody in New, in New Japan, but. Yeah. And Bruce Brody's a little more intimidating than Bruce Jericho. <laughs> um, so, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't really get the signing. I don't, like, 
and a lot of people get on Jim Cornette, but sometimes I can just laugh when he says, like, man, they're just taking this guy's money and signing all their friends. And, you know, that's what it seems like to me. Like, okay, if you're getting Orange Cassidy, why aren't you signing Joey Ryan? Or maybe they have, and they're just waiting to debut him on the TV show. But, like, like there's no difference between Joey Ryan and Orange Cassidy to me. Like, like you know, a guy going slow motion or a slot, what's, what's, what's the big deal of a guy just flipping to do with his dick? Like, who cares at this point, right? Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. Um, and so, you know, to kind of end the show, uh, and, and again, we'll be back tomorrow night with Raw, uh, our Raw reviews from 93, as well as anything else that kind of pops up that, that we think about. But, um, you know, I, I've been using you as my litmus test for UFC because you were once a super hardcore fan where you watched every single, you know, UFC show. And now life, you know, has gotten in the way a little bit. And I'm, I'm very much the same way where, you know, you're only watching the, the, the stuff that you find to be important. And on the basis of just the top three matches, UFC 241 seems like it is maybe the most important show of the year. No Conor McGregor, no Brock Lesnar, no Ronda Rousey. Uh, John Jones is fighting guys who he should be able to beat, uh, you know, essentially in his sleep. But here we have Daniel Cormier and Stipe Miocic in uh, in a rematch of a fight where I think many were surprised uh, of of the way that Daniel Cormier beat him the first time. You have the return of Nate Diaz against Anthony Pettis, and then you have Yoel Romero against Paulo Costa. Now a lot of people probably don't you know know a ton about Paulo Costa, and I, I don't know a ton about him either, other than you know I, I've just been impressed with with him. Um, on his other fights, but I know he's canceled some stuff and he's been hurt and, you know, possibly, I, I, at least I thought he had, like, failed the steroid test, but maybe that didn't happen because he's, he's <laughs> back. Um, because he's he's pretty jacked. But, um, but yeah, so, you know, the, the time... Maybe least, they're not fighting. They're going to have a super pose down. That, that may be almost as good as what, what the fight And then someone's going to throw baby oil in one's eye. There's going to be a... a, a uh, flex bar used to beat the shit out of the other guy. You know, I mean, I saw Tony Atlas and Mr. Wonderful in a, in a pose off one time, and that was pretty exciting. So, yeah, yeah, my my, my exposure was the uh, you know the Warrior Rude in '89 <laughs> Road Rumble. Oh yeah, oh yeah, remember that one very well. Um, okay, so uh, what is you you know if you're going on like a one through 10, like, uh, is this on your radar and, and is it on your radar more than most of the UFC stuff that we've talked about this year? Um, it's about the same as everything else. Kind of lukewarm. Mm-hmm. Like if one to one to 10, I would say it's about a five. I mean, I like Danny Cormier a lot, but like, I guess, I don't know, Stipe, he's a really good fighter, but he just doesn't have that big name value to me, you yeah. know? Uh, Nate Diaz and Pettis, right? Yep. Uh, great fight. Like I want, I would like to watch it, but like I'm not running out to go see it. Um, Nate is funny. Like to me, like a lot of people like love Nate, and they feel like he's like this big star. Like to me, I don't ever really see him as that. I always see him like I always thought Nick was the bigger star, mm-hmm. but now like I guess with this fights with Connor, Nate and it's now the bigger star. But I don't like see him as like a superstar. Like oh man, I have to go see Nate Diaz fight. Like he's like fun to see fight on the card of other fights, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Costa and Romero should be fun and, and exciting, and, and I always like Romero. You know, he's always going to provide some kind of entertainment, you know, in and out of the ring, so uh, the cage. So, um, yeah, you know, I would watch it, 
this weekend if I wasn't babysitting the kids. <laughs> Basically, I would try to mosey on over to Big Dave's and, and catch the fight, but it's just uh, not in the cards, and it's okay because I get a lot of quality time with the my little ones. And, and, you know, I think it's probably not too hard if you hear about, you know, good fight here or there to, to, to find it somewhere. But Which is funny when it comes to real fights. I, I Once I know the result, I don't watch it. I don't either, really. But, you know, I have uh, – so I will be this weekend. I won't be able to, to watch the show live at least uh, normally how we watch these shows live is at Big Dave's, you know, at like a party of, of, you know, four of us or whatever. But I'm taking my youngest out to uh, Arizona, Tucson, this weekend because he's about to move into his dorm on Saturday. Oh, my gosh. And, he, you know, he's a big UFC fan, though – I think he's even a little lukewarm on it because he's a big Connor guy, and you know Connor hasn't been around for for a while. So, um, you know, but he's he he does our picks and stuff with us, and and uh, and he does a pretty good job with the picks. Um, I think if I if I have our our rankings yes, I'm here, still winning. you are you are very much in the lead. <laughs> with uh with everybody why this year of all the years of all the years where you're not you're not super paying attention (laughs) it's like uh, if you really want to win money gambling you'll probably lose but when you just go in and throw a quarter in a slot machine all of a sudden you make you get you hit it right that's what i feel like right now it's like i'm just not studying as much i'm just picking by like by feel and i'm doing better that way than yeah you know studying up on it like you have years before yeah you're you're 32 and 13 and you're ahead of uh there's a few of us who are 29 and 16, so you got like a three three pick lead on us. Uh, but you know, JJ's still he's six picks behind you. But you know, so he's a, he's a pretty big fan. But you know, he's he's kind of you know first sort of week in college, and I don't imagine he's gonna go like, hey dad, let's go find a sports bar that has the show. Like I don't think he's gonna tell me that, but maybe maybe he will, and maybe we'll end up watching some of that show. But yeah, I you know I would say that. If I was uh, if I was home and I was around, I would definitely watch this show because I think at least those top three fights are of value, and uh, you know I really want to see Daniel Cormier kind of go out the right way. Though, as we know, that that rarely happens, and and a lot of times it doesn't happen the the right way. Most of the time, it doesn't. So, and uh, I'm worried about that too. I, I really want because I'm such a big fan of the guy. I really want to to see him win this rematch but Stipe is he is really good and you know I just like that I like god I kind of feel like Stipe is gonna pull this out but uh I'm hoping that you know Daniel gives that big right hand and connects and can knock him out yeah so uh so yeah so you know that's this weekend as well, but you know we'll be back tomorrow, and uh, and if we if there's anything that happens between tonight, which we're recording this on a Wednesday night, you'll probably hear it on Thursday morning, uh, and when we record tomorrow night, we will add it to to the show and we'll 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 discuss it. But for the most part, we're going to talk about two raw shows. Um, one of them <laughs> is well, okay, I'll say on on both of them. We get like Lex Luger interviews, which leave a lot to be desired. Um, and okay, okay, we got a lot to discuss next week. <laughs> no, no, they're next tomorrow night. Yeah, um, 
And uh, and you know, there's some cool stuff because you know Jim Cornette comes in, which we talked about in our in our last show. You know, we talked about in the Observer how how Cornette's coming in, and he's actually a, a big part of both shows. Uh, you know, you got um, Tatanka and Mr. Hughes, so we could talk about that. And uh, and yeah, Heavenly Bodies are in, so you know, SummerSlam Macho is Midget. Macho Midget. SummerSlam is shaping up, and uh, and, and it, it's the, they aren't necessarily to the best raws that we will talk about but there's so much stuff you know it's really like watching the evolution of lex luger is very interesting because it's almost like vince is like okay i am going to give you this ball you are going to run with it i'm going to pave the way for you to score this touchdown and it's up to you all you have to do is like follow your lead blocker and you can score and Lex is doing his best to do it, but there's like hurdles that are there that he doesn't realize yeah. that are there, and it's so it's very interesting to watch. So yeah, like all of a sudden he says, "Hey, you know what? You don't have your lead blocker anymore." <laughs> <laughs> That's what happened at SummerSlam 1993. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll talk about. It. I don't want I don't want to bury the lead for that show, but uh, but yeah, we'll we'll chat about it. So um, so we are done here on this show. This is side A. And tomorrow we'll be back with Side B. So for John, I am Double G. We will see you when we see you. Peace out.